Welcome to the Valley Beit Midrash podcast, a program of Valley Beit Midrash, a global center of learning and action. We're bringing you the best in diverse, pluralistic Jewish wisdom, all with the goal of improving lives in our global community. I'm Rabbi Shmuley Yanklowitz. Let's get started. Shalom, friends. I'm honored to be joined today by Doug Sesserman, who is the CEO of Americans for Ben-Gurion University. Doug has a very important mission to help revive and advance Zionism, and today we're going to talk about some of the challenges facing Zionism in the 21st century, as well as the Americans for Ben-Gurion University movement. Doug, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Alex. Pleasure to be here. Shana Tava. Shana Tava. So to start, could you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to become Americans for Ben-Gurion University CEO? Sure. Uh, it's not a job that I grew up thinking I was going to do, for sure. But um, at the end of the day, I'm my mother's son, and I think I was destined to do this job. But I grew up on the East Coast, um, was born on the East Coast, lived there for a little bit. And then my father was not a serial entrepreneur and moved us west. Uh, eventually was really raised in Denver, Colorado. Um, but as a proud Jew and, and Zionist and did everything that I was supposed to do, you know, <laughs> Hebrew school, Jewish summer camps, very active in youth group. Um, eventually I, I was a, a leader in the BBYO movement, if you're familiar with that. <clears throat> went to Camp Ramah. And then I went to Northwestern and I met my wife there. I told her I was on a uh, sent there um, by my AZA youth group to make sure the Jewish girls married Jewish guys. And that was my line. Um, it, it, it didn't work initially, but eventually I wore her down. And uh, we, we've been married now for 33 years. Uh, professionally, when I got out of Northwestern's business school, I went to work for the Quaker Oats Company and packaged goods brand management. That led me to uh, change my career to the cable television industry as at one point the senior marketing person for TCI Communications, which got acquired by AT&T. And after my company got acquired, I wanted to find more purpose in my life. Um, and I ended up taking a job with the Jewish Federation in Denver, Colorado as their CEO. And I thought I would do it for three to five years. You know, if I had lived in Israel, I would have had to serve in the IDF. But because I was raised in this country, I never really had to serve my people in the same way. So I thought if I could marry my vocation and avocation, you know, that would be terrific. But I ended up doing it for 15 and a half years and it became my, um, you know, purpose, I think, in terms of career. So through the Jewish Federation in Colorado, um, we had a partnership in the Negev and I would spend a lot of time in Israel traveling, especially with, um, especially with members of the state legislature on the left and also on the right. And I became very familiar with the arguments um, for both sides. And then Colorado uh, passed uh, the fourth anti-BDS resolution, and fourth, fourth in the state, fourth state in the country to do that. I testified twice at the state legislature for that initiative. Um, and in part because I think I became pretty familiar with, with the arguments um, and was seen by both sides of somebody who could advocate for Israel, but wasn't necessarily partisan. Um, but when you're in the Negev, you start to run into two things. David Ben-Gurion, who's buried there at Stebo Care, and you also run into Ben-Gurion University. And I became convinced that Ben-Gurion really had the right ideas for the Jewish state, the Jewish people, our role in the world, the, Israel's role. 
and that the key to the future of the country was to drive it south. And the best way to do that was to really support Ben Gurion University of the Negev for all its impact it has, not only with its students, but also with the region um, through its education and research and all the programming that it does as the Negev's largest employer. So when this job opened up in New York in 2017, uh, I gladly uh, put my name as a candidate because um, I think in many ways, people don't realize that that um, Ben Gurion University is really, if not the, it's one of the most vital institutions for the future of Israel. And then here in the states, given all the challenges, we call it a movement um, because, in in many ways, the university, the Migdalor, it's like a beacon of light that uh, represents all the good things of modern Israel and a part of the country that is uncontested that everybody can rally around. So maybe I'll stop there. I know I've been talking for a long time. <laughs> no, no problem. Uh, thank you. I relate a lot to your story. I actually did a uh, uh, international study trip to Ben Gurion University when I was in college. It was a beautiful campus and really impressive. Where did you go to school? At the University of Manitoba in Canada. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Um, so could you also uh, sort of tell us how would you define 21st century Zionism? Wow, that's a great question, right? It's something that really needs to be designed. So the way I would think about it is, let's just put it in, in context. So Zionism, um, and Israel is the only country I think in the, in the world that's not even 100 years old, it's 70 years old, um, 73? Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, uh, 1948, so yeah, yeah it was 74. Because uh, we're coming up on the 75th. Right. Exactly. So Israel is the only country in the world that's that, that's 75 years old and spans three centuries. Because Zionism is really a 19th century concept. That's, that's Theodore Herzl. Basically coming to the conclusion that there needs to be a Jewish homeland in its ancient land because there's so much persecution and anti-Semitism in the world. Without Theodore Herzl, there is no Israel that we know today. And then in the 20th, and, and I would call that Israel should exist. That's 19th century Zionism. Israel should exist. 20th century Zionism is Israel needs to exist. And this is really David Ben-Gurion following in Herzl's footsteps, but paving the way for the modern state. And uh, Ben-Gurion makes his aliyah when he's 20 years old in 1906 from, from Plunsk. Uh, and he's working to build the state. Um, before World War One, but between World War One and World War Two, when you have pre-state Palestine under the British mandate, David Ben Gurion's leading the effort to create the Jewish state in its ancient homeland. Unfortunately, as we know, we have World War Two and the Holocaust, and that really proves, I think, to the world that Israel needs to exist as a defense strategy, you know, in a way that never again, if without Israel, if Israel had existed at the time of World War II, there probably is no Holocaust. Um, so 20th century Zionism is Israel needs to exist because the Jews, unfortunately, can be a persecuted people and anti-Semitism, as we know today, that isn't going anywhere. The 21st century Zionism, I think, is something like Israel has earned its right to exist, meaning Israel is a positive contributor to the world. So 20th century Zionism is a defensive construct, meaning Israel needs to exist because Jews are uh, 
because there's Jews are persecuted and there's anti-Semitism or coming out of the Holocaust. 21st century Zionism is offensive in that the Jewish state has proved itself and is a contributor to the world in education, especially through science and contributions and medical breakthroughs and um, cybersecurity and, and everything, especially you know climate related. Um, things that were really good at Ben Gurion University. Necessity is the mother of invention, but you know we're world leaders in water research and everything that's known today as as climate technology. We just introduced Israel's first and largest school of sustainability and climate change. Um, people think it's like this breakthrough idea, but in Israel they've been doing it for a long time because you're trying you're living in a desert, and in order to make the desert bloom, you had to use the Jewish brain <laughs> creates science that um, could, uh, as Ben Gurion said, um, bring food from the sands, water from the air, and uh, um, empower energy from the sun. And so we've been leaders in desalinization and water research, water reuse, and drip irrigation. Everything Israel is great at. So I think 21st century Zionism is really about leveraging the positive contributions that many don't really understand emanate from Israel um, and to get support around these things that especially young people can identify with in terms of their universal values. This is an interesting statistic and then I'll end there. You can ask another question, but there was an interesting study done by uh, Jewish American voters about a year and a half ago. And it showed that 4% of Jewish American voters were interested in Biden's policies on Israel, but 32% of Jewish American voters were interested in Biden's policy on the climate. Mm. So the, the average Jewish American is eight times more interested in climate than they are actually in Israel. Right. So 21st century Zionism, I think, in a way, is to tap into the universal values that are shared by Jews and non-Jews and connect them to breakthrough scientific world contributing efforts coming out of Israel. Um, that would be how I would think about 21st century Zionism. It's about the positive contributions today in an offensive way, not a defensive, we have to exist because we're persecuted people. Right, very interesting. Um, so we touched on this a little bit, but um, could you tell us a bit more about what Americans for Ben Gurion University's movement is all about? Sure, sure. Happy to do that. Thanks so much. I'll try to be brief, although that's my <laughs> no So let's start with the university does three things, and we do three things in support of the university. So the Israel, the university does three things: it does education, it does research, and it's the only university in Israel that has a mandate to develop a region. Its region is the Negev Desert. So there are 20,000 students, most of them Israeli, um, but about a thousand or five percent of our student body is international students from all over the world that study mostly uh, in graduate work in English. Uh, we also have about 2,000 um, Arab Israeli students. There's great diversity on our campus. So 20,000 students, two thirds of them undergrad, one third graduate. We do breakthrough research in all kinds of areas. I was just talking about desert research and desert uh, science through our Blaustein Institutes of Desert Research and the new School of Sustainability and Climate Change 
that leverages our three campuses in Beersheba, Stabo, Karen, A. Lot. Um, we actually have in incredible marine biology happening in A. Lot right there on the border with the Red Sea. We have a professor named Nadav Shashar. I call him the Jacques Cousteau of Israel. He's developed 3D printed coral reef that fish prefer as a marine habitat to regular reef. It's an incredible technology, could be world changing. And then we're great in cybersecurity, robotics. Um, we're an engineering powerhouse. A lot of the um, things that Israel's great known as today as Startup Nation emanates strongly from many universities, but out of BGU. We call our main campus in Beersheba um, an, an innovation ecosystem. It's a really an amazing place to visit. If you haven't visited um, Israel recently, you need to go spend some time in the Negev, and you don't really understand the Negev until you spend time at Ben Gurion University. But our campus today, our campus is in Orange. You have Soroka Hospital across the street from our main campus. Our main campus is in the process of doubling its footprint because we're the fastest growing uh, research university in Israel. Then we have an advanced technology park um, adjacent to our campus uh, near the train station. You can take a high-speed train today from Beersheba. It takes about an hour to get to Tel Aviv. And then the IDF's movement south, people don't realize, but the largest infrastructure investment in the history of the state of Israel is happening now which is the IDF moving south. And we have the elite um, communications, I call them 22nd century um, uh, cyber soldiers that will be co-located um, within a few years, probably close to 5,000 soldiers. And they're also students, right? Because there's compulsory military service in Israel. So you, if you sign up for an elite unit like this elite unit in communications and IT, you also get your degree at Ben Gurion University at the same time. Same thing with the Israeli Air Force. <clears throat> so we are a university that educates, does science um, research, and also develops the region. You know, we, I'm going to change the background for a second and just show a map of Israel. You know, the Negev represents, the Negev is the southern part of Israel. Beersheba is really the gateway to the Negev. And our three campuses are in Beersheba, Stabil, Karen, a lot. The Negev represents 60% of the land of Israel, but still less than 10% of the population. And if you fold in this map in half, you'll see that Beersheba is actually at the geographic center of the country, but it still exists a little bit in the psychological periphery, if you will. Many people that travel to Israel or li even live in Israel uh, think of the Negev maybe in an old construct as opposed to a contemporary construct that I was just showing you with our um, innovation ecosystem. Uh, today, Beersheba is really one of the fastest growing cities in Israel and startup nation on steroids. So the university has this role to develop a region. I call it the Stanford effect sometimes. If you take Stanford out of Palo Alto, you have a nice place to live between San Francisco and San Jose, San Jose. But with Stanford, you create Silicon Valley. Same thing for, with BGU. You, we call it jokingly Silicon Wadi, a dry riverbed. But um, at the end of the day, we're the Negev's largest employer and the source of the vast majority of innovation that will lead to new companies that provide employment, jobs, prosperity, and the ability for a region to grow. 
Um, what we do at Americans for Ben Gurion University is also three things. So what we do is we raise awareness. Um, first for David Ben Gurion and his ideas. You know, unfortunately, people still think of David Ben Gurion a little bit as the old man. Um, now they know that he's the one pushed, that he's the first prime minister and um, founder of the state um, and the name on our university, but they've, got, they've lost his ideas in time. Uh, so what we do is we, we raise awareness. Um, we call ourselves Americans for Ben Gurion University. In many ways, it's Americans, Jews and non-Jews, for Ben Gurion, his ideas, the Jewish people, the Jewish state, and the university that carries his name. And our tagline is being partners in the remarkable. So we see ourselves living in the diaspora as partners in the modern Jewish state via the university, which does a remarkable work that represents some of the best of Israel. So we raise awareness for this idea for him and also for the university. The second thing we do is we raise resources. And the majority of philanthropic support to the university comes from the United States. We're proud to raise on an annual basis 60 to 70% of the, the philanthropy that so, supports student scholarships, laboratories, um, professor chairs, all the capital projects that need to be built. I was mentioning we're doubling the footprint. So we have a lot of buildings to construct. And then finally, we run programs. One of our most well-known programs is called Zin Fellows. It's a leadership program open to American young people um, that helps them kind of become immersed and engaged in the Negev and in BGU in a way that other leadership programs don't run. So that's what we do. We raise awareness, we raise financial resources, and we run programs. That's great. Um, so be just before we sort of wrap up, is there anywhere that uh, you'd like to mention that people could go if they want to learn more or get involved with uh, like the leadership program you mentioned or anything like that? Sure. So the best source is our website for all things Americans for BGU. And that's its website, right? So just Great. fill out uh, www. But Americans for BGU.org is our website. And we have chapters all over the country that some that have been there for a while and some that are in formation. And we're always bringing our scientists. Um, they travel throughout the US and we call our work today, live in, fly in, zoom in. Um, we love to partner with other organizations, congregations, JCCs, federations, any organization that's looking for positive Israel content. We think of our content as um, being part of uh, any pro-Israel's organization's product. Um, so sometimes in the Jewish world, the organizations don't partner that well because people are concerned about donors going from one place to another. We actually pride ourselves in our ability to collaborate and partner with other organizations because we just think we represent some of the best content in modern Israel and a part of the country that the negative that many people are not familiar with. So I think the best way to get involved with us, check out the website and um, you can learn more there. And you can also um, email me anytime. My email is Doug, D-O-U-G, at americansforbgu.org. I love to connect. And thank you so much, Alex, for having us on the show. Thank you.
Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. All right. It was great to speak with you. Sure. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Valley Bait Midrash podcast. Remember that you can join our email list at valleybaitmidrash.org to stay up to date on new programs, learning opportunities, and more ways to stay connected. If you enjoyed learning with us today, support our work by making a donation at valleybaitmidrash.org slash donate. Join us next time as we continue to work together to build a better world. Thanks for listening.